your hosts, Melissa and Regina. And so today, what are we going to do? Today, We are doing something new and exciting. We are going to be having our first interview today. And we've talked about it a couple of times uh, with a couple different people, but we really want to make sure to give different perspectives from this podcast. And that does mean including other people. And we think that's important. Exactly, yeah, because, you know, Regina and I are fairly similar, even though we have vastly different upbringings, Mm -hmm. we're fairly similar in our approach to the craft, and, you know, so it's, it's, you know, we think it's a good idea to not just hear how we do things all the time, because, you know, there's a zillion other voices out there in the world. And how many times have we told them, do your research, check multiple sources, did it... Exactly. So, um, so, and part of like, and, and, and I think Regina will agree with me, but part of my goal with even doing the podcast, because I know there's a zillion podcasts out there and, you know, and there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. And uh, so there's a couple of things first I want to do actually really quick before we even talk about the interview part. All I, right. I just want to really quickly, first of all, thank everyone who has listened to us. I know we're a brand new podcast. We only have a couple of episodes out and we're only doing it monthly right now. So I realize that's like not a lot of content over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to thank you for listening. If you have been listening, I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's, and it's definitely been a process and we know that like we're kind of taking our time on making sure that the setup is what we want it to be. And we're really hoping that the further in we get, the more we'll be able to do. We're setting some goals for this year. We're already on track with things. There are plans behind the scenes. Like exactly, and it's a growth. It's a yeah, progress. yeah, and and also part of the growth is also trying to figure out exactly what kind of format we even want for the podcast. And, you know, the first few, we didn't really want to do interviews because we were still trying to figure out, like, well, you know, what do we, how do we want to set this up? And how, how what do we want right. to even really talk about? And so on and so forth. Um, but my intention was always eventually to do interviews. Um, yeah. Because I do want to share, uh, shine a light on other people and their practices and, you know, provide a place for them to share with everybody. Um, and I mean, I think that's responsible because it's like American Witch 13 has a pretty hefty following. You've got a platform and the responsible thing to do when you have a platform is to make sure to use it for the right things. Right. Yeah. And and I don't have all the answers for everything. I mean, I, <laughs> I have a do lot. Do you of, know anybody who does? I, Can no, you give me their number? <laughs> really not. Really not. Um, you know, but I do. I get a lot of people who write in a lot of questions all the time and I do my best, of course, to answer. And um, and I also will, you know, when I need to call on someone else, uh, you know, people who have mentored me, you know, refer people oh. to other people. Um, and this particular person that we are interviewing today is one of those people that I talk about all the time. I've mentioned her in my classes. I've mentioned her on other, um, previous podcasts. Um, she really opened my eyes to taking mediumship seriously and, um, and also my craft seriously, to be honest. Um, and we'll talk about that in the interview. And um, 
She is, her name is Rochelle Evans. She is a Reiki master, a medium, and a kitchen witch. Um, and we are going to be talking about all kinds of things with her. Yeah, we're definitely going to get a good chance to kind of talk about what leads you to your path, what brings you there, and how to be comfortable in your practice. And I think she has some really good perspectives on all of that. She really does. She has really wonderful insight that I think will help a lot of people. So great. So, and with that, with that it's time for an interview. It's time for the interview. Before we go any further, because um, I have a story that I'm going to share about Rochelle, but before we go there, let's uh, tell me about your Reiki. What's your Reiki? I'm a Karuna Holy Fire II Reiki master. Um, I got involved in Reiki because I had a few experiences where I always thought Reiki is they put their hands on you and you may or may not feel something. Um, and I had an experience where somebody was doing Reiki on me. And she brought forth somebody who had just recently passed. She had his name, she had information, and it blew my mind. And so after that, I decided I wanted to use that as a, a method to up my mediumship. So that's where um, the Reiki comes in. For me, my um, Reiki and mediumship are pretty much uh, intertwined and uh, one enhances the other on both ends. Yeah, I have to totally agree with you. And in fact, uh, Rochelle, you're the reason why I started learning Reiki um, because a lot of people, including you, were like, oh my God, Melissa, if you want to like explore your mediumship, Reiki is kind of the, the way to do that. And, it, and it's true, it blows it wide open. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so you're also a kitchen witch. So do you want to explain what that is? Um, I don't follow any specific path. Um, I have been a witch since I can remember. Um, as a small child, I was hiding underneath the bushes in my backyard, mashing up bougainvillea and making potions. <laughs> <laughs> and I was probably four or five years old doing that. Um, anytime the kids came over to play, we played witches. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I never really connected the dots until Griffin from Green Man once said, if you were that person making potions, you probably were a witch. Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> um, my grandmother was a curandera. Um I'm Cuban. I'm Afro-Cuban. My family um, practiced Santeria uh, heavily. That was their faith. Um, it scared the shit out of me, and I wanted nothing to do with it. Oh, no. Um, and my grandmother, uh, growing up, um, if you got sick, you never told her, because she would concoct some nasty thing of herbs, and either she rubbed it on you, or she made you drink it. Oh, no. <laughs> we never went to the doctor growing up, ever. And we always got better. And she was an amazing 
woman. So it works. It works. That's the, even if it tastes bad, it works. <laughs> that's the thing though about that. That's the thing about though those these beautiful traditions, these old traditions, is that you know it's not it's not just woo woo. You know, like it's so popular now to call things woo woo and to sort of almost downplay absolutely all of this stuff. You know, but it's it's real and it's old. You know, very. You know, and and I love that. So I also I also wanted to share something um, for me personally. <laughs> so because um, I know, like, because you were raised in a, even though you don't practice Santeria so much now, you were raised in a tradition. So um, I know you and I have talked often about how um, you know you would walk in on your grandmother speaking to spirits and ask her. Do you want to share that? My earliest memory is. Um, I was probably about three or four. My cat only does this when I'm talking about (laughs) anything like this. Um, I walked into the room and, you know, we're a Latin family, so we all pile in the same house together. And I walked into her bedroom and um, I asked her what she was doing. And she said, a consulta, which in Spanish is a consultation. And I looked around and I said, who are you talking to? And she said, I'm talking to the spirits. And she did not have a problem separating her Catholicism from her Santeria practice. This is, for her, it was not magic. Mm -hmm. For her, it was her way of communicating with God. And she always worked for the betterment. She was not, ugh, this cat. Um, (laughs) For people would not... Hold on, for people who are listening and can't see what's happening, Rochelle's cat is literally like climbing all over her. It was like draped across her neck and shoulders. Like, I wanted to join in on the phone. Yeah, perfect familiar. <laughs> completely, completely. Um, anyway, uh, she had a rosary in her pocket the whole time. She was praying all day long. She would do her rosary and her mouth would always be moving. Um, And we as a family never had what maybe some of you guys had where if she was talking to spirits, that would be weird. Right, exactly. And that's why I wanted to bring that up because I know like for me growing up, depending on which family members I was with, like I couldn't show that side of myself to just anybody because then I would be cuckoo bananas, you know? (laughs) See, but I kind of relate to Rochelle because for me, it's like I grew up with a very, very religious family and like looking back, my sister and I, because we share a lot of the same experiences now, we'll talk about how it's like, you know, that one thing that like our mom or our grandma or a grandpa or like a relative will do it. It'll be like, that's really kind of like witchcrafty, isn't it? But they, they were just like, no, 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 that's, that's something related to their faith. And it's like a lot of people will just kind of put these experiences into their faith bowl. And, and that's perfectly fine if that's how you want to practice and have those experiences. But I think that people like us who kind of end up taking that path of occultism we end up kind of seeing that bigger picture. And so it sounds like for you, this kind of led you into that kitchen witch experience where it's like it came from kind of the matriarchal learnings. Absolutely. And we were always um, encouraged to have free thought. You know, we weren't really, you know, 
my grandparents were reverent towards Catholicism. It's part of their background. But in in Santeria, part of um, that faith is aligning some of their deities with Catholic saints. Mm. So if you went into my grandmother's house, she'd have a big statue of uh, Santa Barbara, which was Chango. You know, like everything was mixed and I didn't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. It was just how we were. And, you know, this is early 1960s Canoga Park. So (laughs) kind of crazy. Yeah. I love that though. I love that. I find that so fascinating in Santeria, just as a side note, the idea of, of aligning the, um, I, I believe the, the, the origin of Santeria, I was just reading in a, in a book, this book right here, which I can show um, the people who are watching, um, but it's called Santeria, the religion. And it's, I'm not even going to attempt to uh, say the, the author's name, Gonzalez Whipler, I believe. Um, but it's very, it's kind of academic and sort of more dryly written. <laughs> um, but they talk about uh, comparing it to the, that is sort of, from the Yoruba? Mm-hmm. That when the slaves came, they weren't allowed to have their own faith. So, right. you know, you came in and the Spaniard said, you will be Catholic. Mm. So the only way that they could practice their rituals, their belief system was aligning it that way. Um, it's fascinating. It was really kind of terrifying. And I think for me personally, the thing I didn't like about it growing up um was one, there were sacrifices. Mm. And, you know, if shit was going bad at our house, a chicken was going to lose its head. Right, right. And some, and I'm a pagan. I live in the earth. I I couldn't deal with that. It, right. Um, it, it affected my spirit really, really deeply. I, I really didn't understand that. The other thing is I didn't like this whole idea that if something bad was going on in your life, it was somebody else's fault and they had to pay. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> and it just is creepy. I don't like that. If shit's going wrong in your house, maybe you need to look at yourself. Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, or or look at what you're putting out that's pulling it in. Right. And um and it's not to be disrespectful. And there are plenty of people that are really much more knowledgeable than me. I really cut myself off from that. Gotcha. Um, I, go ahead. That's interesting just because, you know, I, I, what I was just going to say is that I I find that interesting because, um, you know, we all have traditions that we come from, Mm -hmm. but then as we grow and we learn about ourselves and we learn who we are and what works for us, we might find that the tradition that we come from, maybe, you know, even though it is a wonderful tradition and even though it works for many people and has wonderful components. Absolutely. That we might, you you might even still use some components today, but, you know, you might just find like, oh, well, th- it doesn't really speak to me and my moral compass. Because, you know, and I, and I understand with the sacrifice, I know that that's a huge debate that I don't even want to like tackle because I do want to be extremely um, respectful to those who practice it. You know what I mean? Um, and I want to honor them. And I understand that everyone has a different view about animals place in our world. You know, and for me personally, I don't eat animals, you know, and so I don't want to kill 
me personally, I don't want to kill an animal for like any reason. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to step on an ant that's crawling across my kitchen floor. You know, I like try to scoop it up and I even flung <laughs> a freaking cockroach outside like you two weeks it. ago. I walked cockroaches into my- die. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, can't. I know everybody tells me that everyone is like, no, the cockroach can die. And I'm like, but I can't. So anyway, my point being, I, I totally get what you're, where you're coming from because, and that's where it's tough. That's where you have to be really super honest with yourself. And you have to say like, I respect you, but this, this path doesn't work for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's with respect for my parents, for my grandmother, um, for the people who raised me, I get what comes out of me from them. I'm very reverent. Um, my abilities come straight from my grandmother and from who knows where. Um, it's a long line and much respect. It And I don't have, um, honestly, it just terrified the crap out of me. Growing up and seeing the rituals and stuff, it, it just, my little spirit said, nope. Um, and yet from those people, you know, I was always encouraged to, you know, to be the little weirdo I was <laughs> and, and it was fine. You know, yeah. um, our morning breakfast would be, uh, leftover espresso from the night before in milk, hot bubbling milk, and then coffee and, and toast for breakfast. You know, and my grandmother would sit there while you're eating and ask you, what were your dreams? Tell me your dreams. You know, so you would tell her your dreams. Ah, mija, that means this or whatever. So the whole of it is is still, um, it's the best part, right? you know, right. of my childhood. Oh, that's awesome. Seriously. Um, and that's, and I'm going to lead us into meet back to mediumship from this, because that's part of who you are and that's part of your craft. Um, and, uh, so my whole life, you know, I didn't have like parents or grandparents really well. I mean, I talked about dreams with my mom a lot, but it was never from the perspective of like, what does it mean? Really? It was more from a perspective of, oh, this neat thing, my story that my brain <laughs> told me, you know? Um, so like for most of my life, even though I had some magic, you know, I had to spend a lot of time explaining things away and like explaining the magic away and trying to debunk it. And, um, I would have never called myself a medium until I met Rochelle. Rochelle also, um, does hair and I was sitting in her chair and she was fixing my roots, which desperately needed right now. Um, <laughs> But look, we're all, we're all uh, it's, it's the lockdown. It's, this thing, it's happened. It's all good. Um, it's but anyway, one. so she was sitting there doing my hair and I don't know why. I don't know. I remember what we were. I think we were talking about your sister and or something. And all of a sudden I was like, do you know a man who passed who there's something wrong with his chest? And I see like salt and pepper hair, maybe a beard. But anyway, it was like this whole thing. And, and I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I honestly don't even know what made me feel comfortable to share that with you. Cause that's not something I would normally just blurt out to somebody that I like see a spirit behind them. And Rochelle was just like, oh, you're a medium. <laughs> like not even phased by it. Like just, and I, and I loved that. And I was like, okay, this is my new best friend because 
I have felt like such a weirdo my whole life. Like I was crazy or whatever. And you were like one of the first people that, you know, aside from my grandmother when I was a child. So like many years had gone by, but you were one of the first people who made me feel like I'm, I mean, I am probably also a weirdo, but like also kind of normal. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there are people like us. It's a thing that really happens and exists in the world. I think it's more um, normal than we let on, you know, um, we, you, myself, um, uh, we've also done the, the work, you know, we've kind of gone down rabbit holes. We've, we've, um, saw what would resonate with us, what works for us in our practice. Um, I didn't realize uh, now, you know, reflecting back uh, after talking to you the other day, so many things had come and tapped me on the shoulder. And I thought, oh, that was weird. But right. I never, ever honored that. And the minute you began to honor those little taps on your shoulder, the door opens a crack more. Yes. And then you honor it and the door opens a bigger thing. And then pretty soon you are in a whole different bedroom. Exactly. You know, it's, it's incredible. Um, I can remember, um, knowing intuitively how to take care of animals when they fell out of a nest or whatever, like little kid, Hey, Rochelle's weird. Give them to her. She'll figure it out. <laughs> um, being able to take a horse that was dumped because it kept launching people, being able to figure it out. And part of that is I'm really tenacious. And yeah. then the other part is I, I just, I, I connect with a different part of them and somehow it works out. And it's, it's just honoring where they're at and being able to connect there and then move forward from that. Um, and as far as, you know, like one time I, I had a childhood that was pretty abusive and I remember hearing in my ear that this certain situation was going to happen. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. And boom, it happened, you know, and things like that happen constantly. And I just didn't connect the dots. Um, when I turned it, late forties, early fifties, the, the connections just kept coming super fast and I couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, a neighbor's horse went down and we went over to try to get it up and it was time for the horse to go. And I stuck a saddle pad underneath its face. So it wouldn't slam its head on the ground. And I put my hands on it and I just pictured as hard as I could with every fiber him running in a green field, just the heck away from there. And his legs started to canter. And it was, it was like me releasing him. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing I have ever experienced. And when I put my hands on him, my hands got really hot. Mm -hmm. And the vet came and, and let him go. Um, that was really, really intense and very uh, crazy, like just such a thing. Um, I had a friend whose horse was at our house and 
the vet was going to come and she had left because she didn't want to be there. And for some reason, I honestly don't know what I was saying, but I started to sing these words to the horse. And all I kept hearing, and now I know that's my guides, it was to sing June Bug Home. And I don't know what the words were. There were for me. Yeah. And so that was really, these things kept happening. Right. Um, I took in a rescue that was starved. And um, I used to say, you know, once we get him fat, I can find him a good home. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. He's awesome. (laughs) And then one day I'm cleaning the barn and I felt, and he was kind of a curmudgeon horse. And he put his head on my shoulder and I thought it was my other horse who was a mischief maker. And I patted him and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, doing my thing. I'm cleaning your poop. And I heard, I don't want to leave. I want to stall and I want to stay. Aww. Well, before I never, ever said it out loud. So I called my daughter. I'm like, holy crap, this is what happened. Two days later, we go to this equine affair and we meet an animal communicator. Mm-hmm. And she, I show her a picture of my horse, a different horse. And I showed her a picture. She goes, nope, that's not the horse. And she flips through my phone and she finds Andy. And she goes, he wants you to know he wants a stall and he wants to stay. Wow. Her words exactly. We both just started wailing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. So those doors kept opening. For me, the gateway was always animals. Yeah. Um, I told a fr- I went to a pottery workshop. She had a dog there. I, that dog every day mad dogged me as a big pit and it would growl at me and look at me like, fuck you. And every day I'd say, mm, I'm on to you. And I'd get on the ground and I'd rub her tummy. Hi. And she was like, <laughs> and then the last two days we were there, she said, you need to tell my owner I have cancer. Oh, and I'm like, nope, your owner's kind of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not doing it. Oh, no. <laughs> and finally, the last day of the class, I'm like, okay, this lady hates me. I don't care. You yeah. know? So I went to her and I said, look, I don't know who you, you might think I'm crazy. Um, I have a little bit of a, a kinetic affect anyway. And uh, I just said, your dog told me she has cancer. And she told me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. seriously. She did. That was her favorite dog. She loved Miss Mouse to the moon and back. And I said, she told me to tell you. Mm-hmm. I left, didn't hear from her. About six months later, I got an email and the email said, Mouse does have cancer. Um, we're just keeping her comfortable. I just want to thank you. Uh, yeah. So, Things like that had happened a lot. And so I really couldn't. Um, oh, he's so annoying. I know I'm watching as you're talking about it. I'm watching your cat climb all over you. It's, it's genuinely. I so wish much that everyone fun. listening to this podcast could also what? see. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we okay, side in. note, we just had a break in. So I have the doors, both doors closed while we're doing the podcast for for privacy. And Wednesday, my cat Wednesday, some of my friends know him. Everybody loves him. He's fluffy and black and white and very special. He just burst right into the room. So there's like, they know 
that we're yes. talking about pet communication right now. And, and I wasn't going to go here um, with you because our next podcast, I'm going to talk the next episode, we're going to talk about animal, communica- uh, animal communication as well. But since we're talking about it, um, I uh, recently, can you shut that door? Yeah. I recently um, lost two pets very close together. And, um, you know, I, I was in such a dark place losing them. And, you know, all my, most of my listeners will know I am a crazy cat lady. I currently have nine cats, you know, before I had, uh, way many more <laughs> over you're, the summer. You're, said, a, you're a foster mama. You I know, had a lot of Melissa, kittens. Melissa has a very special affinity for cats and they literally just come to her and they show up at her house and they have kittens here. And it's, it's crazy because she'll open her house to these cats and she'll help find them homes or she'll TNR them. And it's like, you are, you are one of like the most cat, like, uh, uh, you have an affinity for cats yeah. more than anybody I know. Yeah. They just show up for you. They do. They do show, <laughs> my whole life. Cause I grew up, you know, on, on, you know, next to a cornfield on farmland. So, you know, I've had cats my whole life, but, um, but you know, this losing two cats recently back to back has been super hard for me. And I, like I told myself, don't cry on the podcast. I'm going to try not to, but, um, but I was like going down this really dark spiral where, cause one of the cats was 17 and, um, you know, we've known for a couple of years that he was going to pass and we were, you know, he's, he's, which is not to say he wanted to go, but his body was ready, you know, but then we had, um, Sam who was, I was in the process of trying to domesticate and, you know, he was just one of those cats. Like he just didn't want to be inside. And I was trying so hard to domesticate him and, um, and then he died and we don't really know why he died I mean I don't know if it was it was just weird we just found him dead in the driveway just on his side with his tongue hanging out his mouth with not a scratch on him so we don't know what happened but it broke me you know because all I wanted to do was save this cat and um and I was in a place where I wasn't like I was so depressed it was like I wasn't eating and you know or anything and I uh talked to Rochelle and Rochelle did some Reiki on me and was able to communicate like I'd been communicating with the cats I've been trying because I have this I have a little bit of the same thing that you have um but when it's your own sometimes you can sort of block yourself so that you can't because your grief is so hard and so overwhelming and so overpowering that it's sort of like you're just sort of stuck in your own head and you're not really connecting. You're not, you can't really hear them and that they're okay or, or what, or whatever message they might have for you. And so I um, ended up having a Reiki session with, with Rochelle and Rochelle, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but you were able to tap in to Sam and, you know, I'm still crying every day cause I miss that cat, but you were able to put me at peace some, you know, so it's like these gifts that you have have real world um, applications. applications, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's kind of weird because of covid. Um, when I lived in Los Angeles, I had a pretty thriving Reiki practice. I did Reiki three, four or five times a week on different people. Um, and it was kind of cool. And and then we moved um two hours north of Los Angeles up in the mountains. And 
Um, so I've had to kind of learn a different way and trust my abilities and via Zoom or Messenger or whatever. And I never thought that that would work. I always felt like I needed a body. Um, and what I found in my mediumship and Reiki, I was able to kind of combine the way I do readings together. And so I'll start out by like drawing kind of a, a, a body, a picture of, of you. And I can, I will use my pendulum and I'll run it over your body. And then while I'm doing your, um, your chakra points, I'll get like whole sentences you know, your elbow, I was like, oh, your, your right side, your elbow's messed up. Yeah. And, you know, like being able to pinpoint, oh, you, your stomach isn't very good right now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all this other information. So I just trust it and I write it down, write it down, write it down, everything. And then being able to, to kind of, it's like shorthand, it mm -hmm. cuts all the, yap out and it's yeah. just like no this is what it is this is what your information is and this is what i need you to know right. and while it's not the same as a regular reiki session which is much more relaxing and and calming and and you both have this nice experience this is still a valid healing modality and um and i'm i'm really finding that i've been really connecting well in that way. Um, when I would do a mediumship reading, I would always just start drawing just right. so that my head, my thought and my body disconnected. So whatever could have the space to come in. And right. so doing this, this way was, um, really a trip being able to kind of do what I used to do on my table. Yeah, and it yeah. feels really interesting to hear it described like that because I feel like the pandemic is kind of forcing energy workers to kind of take up the weightlifting of energy work, which is of course long distance healing. It's it's energy being what it is. Of course, it's possible, but it's literally like weightlifting. It's extra work, and extra you have work. to get those muscles into shape, and you have to reattune yourself, and it takes practice. And just like a lot of things that have happened over the last year, it was just like dumped in your lap and it's like, figure it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's kind of weird too. Cause, um, you know, usually if you're on the table, I could, I've had people in my practice that they come in and they've got this like, okay, show me what you got. Right. You tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, like we're not here to play stump the witch. Right. You know, we're, we're here for your better good. And yeah. I had a Reiki client one time who came in super hipster, you know, I'm an old <laughs> lady. I'm like, Oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> Definitely West side, you know, worked in the <laughs> industry. So she's on the table. I ask her a few questions. I'm going through her body and I can feel this stuff. Nope, nope, nope. Hmm. And everything was no. And, um, I went over a heart chakra and I'm like, Hey, there's no energy here at all. Have you experienced a broken heart? Nope. Um, have you had any health issues with your heart? Nope. You know, she just was constantly trying to find a way to prove me wrong. Right. So I just thought, okay, well, you know what, whatever it's a donation only. So whatever, um, 
So I did the work and then I said, there's, so on, when I do Reiki, if information comes in on one side, it's from somebody who's gone on. If it comes in on the other side, that information is somebody in the living. And I usually get names. Mm -hmm. That's how my personal practice works. Um, So I'm doing this and I get this name of this guy. So I tell her the name and she looks at me and she starts wailing. Ah, So all the things she kept telling me no about, no, there was no heart energy because she had breast cancer and her boob there was gone. (sighs) But she didn't want me to be right. Right. She was resisting. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. That's hard to read for a person like that. But at some point, you just keep filling them up with love and the shit gets shoved out. Yeah. And at the end of it, um, when I was working on her feet, I just said, I feel like molasses here. Mm -hmm. This is so sticky and stuck. And then she was like, I wake up every day thinking of cancer. I go to bed every night thinking of cancer. Is it coming back? Did they get it all? Everything. And it was just really profound. She was crying, crying, crying. I was like blown away. You know, I'm like, holy crap, this is, this is intense. And afterwards we devised a way she was going on holiday to go camping, to ritualize her cancer and stick Mm. that motherfucker in the fire. Yep. Burn it, get rid of it. It's not you. Release it. Cause it's not a body. Right. And it was really, really, really healing for her. It was such like, that's what I'm here for. That's that I know in my heart, that is my job is to just leave somebody a little better. Exactly. And that's such a, and that's a beautiful, that's why we go into this. You know what I mean? We have a calling. I think all of us have a calling. Absolutely. uh, To, to help people, you know, and you know, you helped me also. uh, One thing I also wanted to talk about before we finish is um, a couple of years ago, I went to Italy and um, I, you know, I was still like in the, you know, I'd been practicing witchcraft and talking to spirits my whole life, but I never took it seriously until the past several years. Mm -hmm. So there was a transition period of, yes, okay, I'm going to accept that this is actually real and that people experience this, but it's over here in this bubble, in this lovely little self-contained bubble that is only in, you know, in my room at home or at the (laughs) green man upstairs or wherever, you know? And it was like, it's almost like my brain was like, but the rest of the time, I'm just a normal, regular person going about my day in the world, like everybody else. (laughs) And, you know, so when I went to Italy, with my family, it was like, I had some, I mean, I didn't think this consciously, obviously, but it's like some part of me was like, oh, the witch will just stay home and the person will go on the vacation. And so, um, so of course, Italy is very old. And of, of the places that we visited, we went to Pompeii because I've been obsessed with Pompeii since I was a child. And, you know, there's a part of me that's like, that, you know, did I have some sort of ancestor that, right. you know, was right, nearby right. and survived or something. Um, but anyway, so I, uh, but I went purely with like, just a, almost like a Indiana Jones archeological sort of a mindset, you know, like I'm going to go and it's going to look cool. I'm going to take pictures. It didn't occur to me. I would have a profound experience. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) 
And when I got yeah, there, prepared for that kind of thing to happen. Right. So and I get there, you get there and you're immediately taken by it, you know, because it's so big and you're, and you're immediately taken by the destruction and by the fact that like, you know, you see the, the mosaics and the beautiful art and in the, in the places where they would have big gardens and things. And you have this sense, this immediate sense of like, this place was so loved by the people who were here. And so at first you feel this amazing love. And then all of a sudden you start crying because you start, you yeah. feel the chaos and, you know, families torn apart, not able to get to each other and what to do and, and all these things. And then you start feeling the heaviness. And so when I started out, I was like, this is great. I'm a Taurus. Snap, snap, snap. By the end of it, I felt like I had shrunk five inches. I felt like something was pushing my head down so that my whole body was like, like heavy and like being forced down. I just, and this pressure, like on the top of my head, the back of my head and my chest just felt unbelievable pressure. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to explain it away. Well, you know, it's a long day of walking around and the heat is oppressive and blah, blah, blah. Like you try to come up with all these reasons. You get on a plane, fly back to the U.S., continued oh I'm just touch jet lag that's what's wrong with me two weeks of me being completely not able to function after getting back from Italy I run into Rochelle and I tell her what's going on and Rochelle is like you need Reiki you have an attachment <laughs> and, and I was like what it, it just you know and then I ended up getting then I got the lecture Rochelle yes I got the lecture <laughs> You're a witch, no matter where you go, you have to start protecting yourself mm -hmm. everywhere you go. And I very much appreciate that lecture. And if you want to share any more on that, I'd love to hear it. And for my listeners to hear. It. <laughs> um, protection is, it's not like there's like creepy little demons out there, you know, like with knives waiting to, you know, latch on to you or anything like that. But sometimes um, because our energy is, our vibration is open, um, some people call it a light, uh, we do tend to attract. Uh, sometimes we will attract things that um, per, you know, they're desperate mm -hmm. or, you know, they just see you. And, you know, growing up where I grew up, I decided I wasn't going to believe in all that. And um, I was telling Melissa yesterday, I had gone, um, I've been on this long journey of trying to figure out, you know, what my faith is and who, what I believe in. And a girlfriend asked me to go watch somebody channel. And so we had gone um, to this woman's house. And the minute I walked in the door, my spidey senses were going off. This place is not boarded. This place is not safe. This place is leave. Mm -hmm. But being a human, I'm like, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable or whatever. And I didn't leave. Mm -hmm. I went. So we sat down. They did a little meditation, blah, blah, blah. We were supposed to shut our eyes to give this lady the information she needs. And I was telling Melissa, Yesterday, I don't know why every time I hear somebody channel, they have to channel in this really hokey pokey English accent. Yeah. And so this woman is like, blah, 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 you know, going on. And and the whole time in my head, because I'm an asshole, I'm like, this is such BS. This is such a joke. 
I can't believe I'm here. I'm such a dumb shit. There, there is nothing going on here. This is bullshit. And I'm sitting there with my hands on my lap, my eyes shut. And at that moment, I could feel a color, like gold color on one side of me and somebody pushing into me, mm. like literally into my body. And it got, almost got me out and all I could croak to my friend was Maria, help me. And I fell on the floor. I don't remember falling on the floor. She told me. So my eyes rolled back in my head. And when they kind of got me too, I just started heaving and I threw up and threw up and threw up. Um, I was out of sorts. I ended up having to go to the bathroom and that was ugly. I don't even know this lady. And this happened to me. And all I said was, I got to get out of here. And I went and laid on the grass because I figured that would help ground me. Yeah. And um, I felt really weird. And that was that was it. I mean, like, I would never go back or do anything like that again because I didn't listen to myself. Right. Now, this place had no protection. Um, and after that, I stopped any kind of metaphysical search. I was terrified. I cannot tell you, I thought I was going to die. I thought mm -hmm. somebody was taking me over and I was not going to exist anymore. It's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I don't like to do that kind of like, you know, when in seances and stuff like that, sometimes you get uh, a medium who will go into full trance and let oh, the spirit no. talk to you. Yeah, exactly. I know. I'm like, nope, I will uh, let the spirit guides oh. can translate for you and send me the message or I can talk to you directly, but you're not climbing inside my vehicle and using me like a puppet. No. <laughs> I literally had to go. Uh, I had a friend that did the, that was involved in the spiritualist church. And when we went to her, I went to her house like two days later for a meditation. I walked in. Everybody there looked at me and went, mm, something bad happened to you. You know, you have something stuck on you. They knew and instantly. Wow. It was really weird. So, you know, I don't go places where that spidey sense goes off. I'm like, nope, get out. Yeah. And you yeah. just leave. Yes. Um, I do believe in protection. I do not do any rituals or anything um, unless there's a man in black. Right. Or, you know, let's talk about I, that for a moment, because I know that not everyone's going to know what that expression is. And so um, we've touched on it a little bit in earlier podcasts. Yeah, we touched about it in an earlier uh, podcast. And I, I changed it to being in black because I was trying to be, you know, PC. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the traditional term is man in black. And um, so I how I met Rochelle, we met through Green Man right. classes and things like that. Um, and one of the things that we talked about yesterday that we both share there is sort of this, you know, there's a lot of different places that you can go to have these ritual experiences, to have these group experiences where you can channel and what have you. And, you know, obviously you have to be really choosy about where you go. So things like this doesn't, don't happen to you, you know? And the thing that was most frightening about my experience with the channel at that woman's house was nobody knew what the hell to do. Ugh. And nobody knew what happened to me. Yeah. See, yeah, they're you know, playing with that fire. That's the thing. That's that. And and like I mentioned, we've, we've talked about it a little bit before, but it's like, especially when you're starting out, if like I have like people who are close to me who are in spiritual stuff who might not be 
have a mentor or have worked with it as long as I have. And they'll ask me things. And I'm like, like somebody asked me, you know, about astral projection. And I was like, that's fine and all. If you're interested in it, that's great, but do your research and don't go anywhere when you start. If the like, if you want to explore the astral planes and make sure you're with somebody who's done it before. Like I've done it in groups where it's like, you definitely get moments where you're like, oh, there's other stuff happening and I'm uncomfortable. And now what do I do? And it's just like, exactly. Learning and that's, from right. other people and making sure that you're protected is always so important. Well, and that's why going to ritual at places like Green Man is so good mm-hmm. because they, they take the extra step. You know, they're not just in it to make a buck. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where you have to be really careful with, you know, it's so trendy right now. Witchcraft is like super trendy. There's it's like in the last like two, three years. I know it's exploding. So you have to be super careful because there's a lot of people who are going to take advantage of that, you know? And so like, that's why it's good to find places that, you know, and and vet them, you know, and make sure they're doing it right. And at at Green Man, you know, the very first ritual that I went there, um, I had never, ever done anything like that before. Like I'd been practicing witchcraft by myself in my bedroom since I was a preteen, but with books, you know what I mean? Not like other people. And it never, I had no idea at all the amount of energy that you can raise when you have a group of like-minded people doing that together in a safe environment. And I mean, you could raise it in a non-safe environment, but you don't really want to. Um, But that first ritual that I went to, um, I was so moved by that collective energy, that spirit, that I just started bawling my freaking eyes out and almost didn't like was embarrassed and didn't know do with myself like why am I having this emotional I mean I cry all the time anyway but still I mean I'm not gonna lie yeah but still still though um it was like in public I try not to cry in public um so anyway so and Griffin who is the you know one of the head honchos at the green man he like walked over to me and without words he just held me until I calmed down and once I was calmed down he just kind of like looked at me like you know, you okay? And then he went on with the ritual because he was leading it. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this is a safe place. Yeah. This is, this is where I can come. And I know you've had experiences too. And then, cause there's Mark who works as the man in black. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, I had got a read. I went and I wanted to talk to somebody about what happened to me. Right. And um, I had booked a chat with Griffin and, you know, he was really funny. It was like, you know, um, I, I try to teach people for years to do what you just did. And, um, he's like, you know, you're always safe here. You come to ritual. I'll let Mark know. Mark always to this day eyeballs me like you good, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And he, and he's like, kind of like asked me to sit over by here. I can keep an eye on you. Yeah. Um, the thing about what's going on in the pagan community is people, you know, people are disenfranchised by a lot of organized religion. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason it is becoming trendy right now. And that, that trendiness can, um, invite, uh, a lot of people will want to be involved in it for reasons other than um, what may have called you or or you guys or myself. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all well and good. I mean, there's yeah. lots of room for lots of energy in this 
world. Exactly. Yeah. But you have to, you have to go where it resonates. So if you begin that journey, you always have to be true to yourself and honor you in that you know what's real for you, Mm -hmm. you know, and really hear that. Um, Many times on my journey, uh, I've been in places and I gave what I got. And I've been told, oh, no, that that's not true. That's not true. That didn't happen. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Only right. to find out later that I was on. But then for whatever reason, the leader of the group, either a circle or otherwise, had decided that um, I was moving too quick. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I want to bring up before we end Mm -hmm. is I have met beginners with more natural talent than I have on my pinky toe. Mm -hmm. They have so much natural talent that for me to deride them by calling them a baby witch or um, kind of trying to keep them in their place Mm-hmm. I think is a disservice to, to our community. I agree. It's a yeah. disservice to their spirit. Yeah. Um, and that's and, like the gatekeeping conversation where a lot of people, yeah. for whatever reason, I mean, and, and it's different if it's a closed system, that's an entirely different discussion because that's closed systems are some oftentimes, you know, created to protect yes. people, but gatekeeping is different. And I totally agree with you. And like, and that a lot, we've talked before about the baby witch term and how it, it's really, it's, it's vulgar. Yeah. Like, my, like when I was, when I was learning, like, it's like, I called myself a baby witch. Cause it was like, I thought it was like kind of cute, but it's like, I always was like, I'm learning. I'm always learning. And that's right. where I feel like I got, we are too. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. never At every stop. age. You never the stop learning. The minute you think you hit your end game. Yep. You're, you're, you're in ego. Yeah, you're, yeah exactly. You're, you're yeah. done. Yeah. And you always have to be open to that. That's where I got so lucky meeting mentors like Melissa and having people who were like, oh yeah, go for it. Keep exploring that. What are you interested? What do you know? Yeah. Keep learning because, and this is a um, part of the discussion too, of like, that in, you know, part of the trendiness right now is that a lot of people are embracing intuitive witchcraft, which is something that I've always sort of considered myself to be because, um, and I think, you know, Rochelle is as well. And I think you are too, Regina, where, <laughs> where we just, ever since we were little, we were like playing with mud and sticks and making yep. potions. Um, I feel like we all have that in common. I feel like every person I talk to who's a part of this community is like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, I totally made potions. Right. But the thing about intuitive witchcraft is, is yes, definitely listen to your gut and go with what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. But it's also super good to do the research yes. to build upon. Yes. You know, so you Absolutely. can re- Right. So you research one thing and you might go, okay, I'm going to check out, you know, whatever this particular craft is over here. Maybe it's Santeria, maybe it's Wicca, whatever it is. And you might study it for a while and go, okay, well, this is interesting, but it doesn't work for me. Let me try this other thing. And then you'll, you'll kind of, you can weave the two together so that you have your intuition to lean on, but then you also have 
the education so that you Absolutely. don't get yourself into situations like I did in a Pompeii and have an attachment and you stuck on me. And shoehorn yourself into stuff. And I think that's what some people forget where it's like, like I've talked about before with gods and goddesses. I've been studying gods and goddesses for years, but I haven't found a practice that I want to follow yet. I haven't found a deity that I've clicked with yet or I felt has called to me yet. And so I don't work one-on-one with a deity like you might. Right. And that's okay. I'm just going to keep learning and when or even if the time is right for me, like I'll take those steps I don't feel the need to shoehorn myself into a practice right just because it exists exactly yeah don't label yourself just for the sake of labeling yourself you know and you know within that um if at all when you are either in circle or a class or whatever if you ever feel like there is um a feeling of of not honoring who, who you are and what you bring to the circle or to the group, even if you are there in a learning capacity, go. Yeah. Because that will cause more of an outpoint in your learning. Mm -hmm. Um, It was one of the, the medium circles I attended for probably a good two years. Every time we would go into that circle, uh, we would do a meditation and a, you know, like, to build the energy and build the cords with all of us and everything. It was like a whole little ritual. Every time we do it, I checked out. I don't know where the hell I went. I would, she would start talking and I was gone. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I didn't go anywhere. I just was gone. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's because I might be tired or something, but I wasn't asleep. I was totally um, aware of what, what was going on, but I was gone and she got really angry with me. She said, I wasn't paying attention. I would, you know, this is bull. You know, you're not participating. Then I'm listening to a podcast on my way into work one day. And this British guy was like, oh, I'm a member of the spiritualist church. And usually one or two people in circle, when we meditate to build the, the power, checks out. And I'm like, what? Did he say? What did he say? You know, and then he was like, the person, they use that person's energy to build the whole. Yeah. And I, I was vindicated mm-hmm. and I sent the podcast to her. But more <laughs> than that, I, I had to honor me. Yes. You exactly. know, and, and in this type of work where there's a part of you, every time you do a reading go, did I make that up? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta honor yourself. And when you go into a place, maybe in a cult shop or crystal shop, and you get the hair on the back of your neck and you go, oh, I'm uncomfortable, don't stay. Walk out because it's not for you. Right. Whatever your guides are telling you, out you go. And if you stay there, you get what you get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) you have to to honor yourself because that is one of the things that I've learned in this the, my pagan community and as just me, the better you are at, at just honoring yourself and being comfortable. If, if it means taking cockroaches outside, you do you <laughs> that way. Right. <laughs> that is how that door keeps opening. There's many paths you can take. There's so many experiences. It would take five podcasts before I'd finish that I personally have had. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've all 
you guys are young. I'm old. Um, <laughs> you don't have to have tattoos and blue hair to be a witch. Right. You don't have to be cool and have yeah. a house full of crystals. Right. You can just be this old lady who, you know, is 62 years old, who's got too many pets <laughs> to be a witch. Exactly. I'm fine too. You know, yes. you're fine too. And that's one thing that the pagan community has always offered was just come on in. We yeah, don't just, yeah. As long as you're who you are and you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. It's like, great. Right. Yeah. And what a blessing to just know that you have a place no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And you're accepted there no matter what. Well, that's and, the thing. That's what's that we talked about that yesterday too, is that with uh, community, when you're, when you're dealing with, you know, spirituality and, and the craft, regardless of which path you're on, it's really important to have community because yeah. otherwise you know, you're going to either, you can just be stuck, you know, um, you're not going to elevate yourself perhaps, you know, or learn or grow, you yeah. know, and it's all and so much I learned from you, um, Same. <laughs> you know, vice versa, because I may have gone down a different rabbit hole than you. Right. So when I come back out, I can share what I found down there, how I interpreted, how I saw it. And then you're going to go, wait, but da, da, da. Right. And that's, that's what, really helps this because so much of this can be frightening yes. to some, yeah. especially in the beginning. You're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I used to be terrified to be alone mm-hmm. in the house. I was scared. I was going to see ghosts. I didn't want to see people. I didn't want to be in the house alone. And, you know, I would go through all these things to make sure my house was warded. Don't come in my room. Right. You know? <laughs> and I moved up here to the mountains and the old guy that used to live here, he really liked it here and Mm. he hangs out and I've seen him a bunch of times. And usually it's when I'm having a hard time trying to start the fire because we heat with a wood stove. Um, My girlfriend's horse got really sick and the vet said if she, she colicked, which means they have an impaction in their bowel. And um, she's like, if, if this horse doesn't let loose, we're going to have to put her down. She'll blow up otherwise. And she thought I was in the barn. And I, it was like in the middle of the night, I sat up in bed. I looked and the light was on in the barn. And she was looking because she thought I was there because there were footsteps in the barn aisle all that night. And before I had gone to bed, there are two people. I have this one man who died. He was a horseman. I have his dog. And then the gentleman who lived here was a horseman. And I called on both of them. I'm like, you got to help this little mare. She needs it. She needs your help. You need to come do whatever you can do from your side of the street, but heal this little horse. She's just a baby. And Brid- my friend Bridget went into the to the stall and she had it literally had she had gone to the bathroom <laughs> you know it like blew but it because it had been such a horrible impaction there was so much gas from her bloating it was oh. very painful it like hit the wall oh gosh oh my god and she thought I was down there and she got up because she heard the footsteps <gasps> wow. and so do I go, oh, this is like, ha, 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 that didn't happen. No, right. I honor them and I thank them for coming through yes. for us. Yes. Thank you. You belong on this land. You know, um, where I live here, 
this whole valley was um, Native American land. So many times you'll go up on the rock outcroppings and they're where they ground the acorn, little bowls. And you feel them here. Mm -hmm. There's a really intense magic here. And I honor that. I go up, I put tobacco and fruit in the holes, you know, because it feels right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my personal faith. You know, it feels right. I feed the birds. I feed the crows. Um, I acknowledge the owls in the trees outside my house. Um, and I, I grew up with so much superstition, you know, that they put superstitions on certain animals. Um, and it made me fearful and there would be a time when if an owl was in a tree, we were kind of scared because somebody was going to die. Mm. No, the owl in the tree means there's transition coming. Right. You know, it, things are changing. What's the transition? The last time the owl was in the tree, my husband had lost his job due to COVID. And um, the transition was he got a job in Los Angeles. So I'm up here by myself. Mm. The transition is I have to learn to be comfortable alone. And I have to tell you, I feel very embraced by the land here. And oh. I walk through my house in the dark and I'm not afraid. And I am the biggest chicken. I'll get on any <laughs> horse, but, you know, and I'll walk my property at night alone. And we have mountain lions and bears and wild boar. And I'm not afraid. And, and the reason I'm mentioning it is not to say like, hey, check me out, I'm a badass. It's that <laughs> I never felt that way before. Right. But now you're and, honoring the land and you're honoring the energies and the spirits that are there. Right. And it's, it's like, okay, we see you. Yeah. yeah. And for me, that is, I can't even explain how profound that is because I'm such a chicken little that how, how is it that I'm doing this now? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like I would sleep with all the lights on in the house and the TV on I didn't care if I got no sleep. Now I just kind of cruise in at night, shut my light off. I don't watch TV. I just go to bed. Yeah. And I I can't tell you the peace that it gives my heart. It's amazing. Uh, and I have to say that that comes from the door opening and me walking through it. Yeah. That's the most profound thing I've ever done in my life is honor who I actually am. And if you want to put the label witch curandera, whatever, bruja, it's fine with me. I'm okay with it. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank that was beautiful. You. Thank, you. thank you. I'm going to hang up and I want to thank you so much. Uh, thank you for joining Regina and myself on our thank podcast you. for the Circle Cast. And hopefully we'll have you on again because I know you have a lot of other stories to share. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I really appreciate it. Thanks to you guys. Oh, Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye. so much for joining us for that interview with Rochelle and thank you so much for uh, Rochelle for joining us we really appreciated your time today and all of your insight and talking about your experiences especially with things like growing up and moments of death we know how heavy those can be but we appreciate that you're sharing those experiences with other people exactly yeah we really do and talking about the attachments and those strange mm -hmm. experiences that we have and how we have to be uh, careful with 
you know, where we al- like allow ourselves to practice too and to be safe. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Rochelle, for that. And uh, we know that this is going to probably be a long episode, but that's okay. Sometimes they can be long. That's um, all right. <laughs> but what, what we really want to do is uh, also uh, we like doing the witch tips and the questions. So this this episode they're gonna they're kind of combined in one because yeah. the question is also a witch tip. So we're gonna go ahead and make sure to answer this question today from M. Um, M asked us, how do I start an herb garden or an herb cabinet maybe? What do I prioritize and what's beginner friendly? Um, which is a great question because being able to have your tools on hand like that, especially herbs, makes your life so much easier to just be like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go get it. So we're going to come at this from two different perspectives because we're at two different places in life. And Melissa is going to start with the, if you have space in your home for actual planting of herbs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I was able to buy a house a couple years ago um, after some intense sigil magic. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to do a sigil magic episode. By oh, the way. I should do a sigil magic. Yeah. Okay. That'll be in the future. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah. So I'm I'm lucky. I have it's a it's a tiny yard, but it's a yard, and uh, I mean it's big enough for you to grow your entire stack, your entire stock of um, lavender for your herb bundles. Exactly. Yeah. And and I love, I love that. And it's and it's interesting too. Is once I was able to um, start growing my own lavender to make my own smoke cleanse smoke cleanse bundles. I started to realize that I had much more of an appreciation for the earth and for how things yeah. grow and for what things need to grow. And I and I started to like hear the plants more, if that makes any kind of sense. I've always oh, had a green thumb. Like I could just grow almost anything and I can bring almost any plant back from life. Mm. Um, and I think it's just because I come from a long line of, you know, farmers. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, th- there's something about it. Like once you start working your own land where your house is, and especially like, you know, I, I warded my whole property too. So I did the whole thing is super witchy, but, um, but you know, once you start working the land, you start to create a sort of relationship with nature and you might already have one, but you're just going to be even stronger to the point where, um, you're, you know, you're, you're, energy really infuses the plants I think you know and and I and I don't think you have to have a yard for that to happen I think you can even just have potted plants yeah I definitely think that like you know coming from hi guys come here uh, is your uh, friendly renter um (laughs) I I definitely think that if you want to have some herbs at home there are definitely a couple that you can safely prioritize the issue is of course that you want to do what's best for the plant and some plants like lavender, they get really big and they need a big pot. You can't really nicely put them in a small pot and only have a couple sprigs grow. So as wonderful right. as lavender is, you're really going to want to get that dry. And that's mm-hmm. the nice thing if you're a renter is you can definitely have an herb cabinet as well as a small herb garden. Um, things to prioritize we'll talk about in a minute. But you can find almost anywhere, thanks to the internet, dried whole herbs. Yes. And that's going to be your go-to is... Literally, if you, you know, keep your basic staples, and then if you need something, you can always order just a couple. But the cool thing is you can also kind of double that up with your spices and your seasonings, and you Mm -hmm. can use stuff like that. And then I would say things like 
maybe smaller varieties of mint or basil. Right. Things like that that are really comfortable with low lighting and small pots are going to be what's going to work best for you. Right. And and insofar as what to plant specifically, because I forgot to touch upon that. So, like, in my yard, um, the things that I planted... I planted, well, it's partly that, um, partly I went into my ancestry for it because I do have a oh, lot like of that. Mediterranean ancestry and French and um, uh, Italian ancestors. So like, you know, the lavender was huge for that. Um, I also have an olive tree and I've I've oh. lately been looking into the burning of olive leaves because... Really? Yeah, because, you know, you know, we always talk about how, you know, sage and palo santo you want to kind of like not use as much um you know because of like their uh overuse and closed practices and and, and things like that right um so you know i'm always forever experimenting with other things and one of the fun ways of doing that you know you you go into the research and you say okay well what what (laughs) would my ancestors uh have used and I really like that. right? that's and, the way you're approaching it. Yeah, and so I have ancestors I know that go back to Foggia, Italy, and then also um, parts of Sicily, and the burning and uh, the burning of uh, olive leaves were used in ancient times to wow. uh, you know purify you know ritual spaces and what have you back oh, then. Wow. And you know I think it was also a little practical too because of course they grew olives and yeah. during harvest time you want to you know you, you have to get rid of the excess. You're using everything. So, yeah. So instead of just burning it and saying it's nothing, it's like, oh, burn it, and it also is ritual. Um, And there might be even some scientific properties to it, too, where, you know, akin to sage, where it, you know, kills bacteria in the air and what have you. That's really, really cool. Um, Yeah. So, like, so that's one reason why I planted the olive tree in my yard was for that purpose. Um, I also planted roses because rose petals are always great and so many Mm -hmm. different uh, spells and rituals and what have you. Um, roses are a great one. And the nice thing with roses is if you, you can, you can just go and get them pretty much anywhere. They're super popular. Mm -hmm. They'll stick around a long time. They're easy to dry out. You could really go get, you know, two or three, hang them up, let them dry. And then you have flowers. Yeah. For a while. And, uh, and then another one is bay leaves. I love always having bay leaves leaves because bay, bay leaves are perfect for those quickie spells. You know, when you just want to do... They're better dry for those. They're great. They're, they're really... Wonderful. They're way better dry because you can't really you write burn. on them. Yeah. You can write on them when they're dry, which is a great way yes. to process a variety of things in spell. And yes. you just burn it. And then send it to the spirit it. world yep. and it does its magic. I love bay leaves. Um, so I have a book in front of me as well. So, you know, we're kind of just sharing stuff. I, oh, well, wait, before I go to the book, rosemary. I have tons of ro- rosemary. Rosemary is fantastic. always a great thing to have fantastic. in your yard. Um, mm-hmm. It grows really well. It doesn't really require much attention at all whatsoever, and will just go bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, and again, for the renters, you, you might be able to find some smaller varieties of rosemary, but they, they also kind of like the bigger pots. Yeah. So you just got to, you just, again, just... Just like anything else, just double check your research. Make sure, make sure you're not just shoehorning a plant into your living space. Make sure it's gonna work for it because right. it's still a living thing. It is, and exactly. especially if you're gonna use it for work. And you wanna honor you it. You wanna honor it. Exactly. And so there's this book called Magical Herbalism by Scott Cunningham. <gasps> Gosh. Yeah, yes. I know Scott, Scott Cunningham. Scott Cunningham. Uh, by Llewellyn, of course. Oh yeah. The publisher. <laughs> and so 
I highly recommend this book to everybody from beginner to experienced. Scott Cunningham is primarily, he, he was uh, practicing Wiccan, but he has written so many good, solid, clear, and simple encyclopedic books on your herbs, your gardening, different kinds of oils. Just, it, it, he's always worth checking out. Absolutely. And he recommends if you're going to do your own um, herb garden, there's, you know, it depends on what is the intention of your garden. Mm-hmm. So he has uh, recommendations, a garden of love, you know. So and then he has certain things for that, like roses, violets, vervain, um, yarrow, lavender, rosemary, basil, lemon balm, and something called lovage, which I'm going to have to Google that oh. later. Um, <laughs> and then he also has a, um, a healing garden. And in parentheses, he has by magical means, not medicinal. Um, <laughs> so if you want, you know, if healing is your path, uh, peppermint, garlic, onion, carnation, rosemary, sage, rue, thistles, and wood sorrel. Oh. Um, and then a divination garden. This is where, like... Oh, I love that. Yeah. Divination garden. Um, mugwort. This is the you one can I buy your own. You can you can grow your own mugwort, guys. Yeah, you know I, I really need to do this. I need to grow my own mugwort. Um, yarrow, borage, sink foil, okay, wormwood, yeah, anise and lavender. Okay, Ooh. so that's for divination. And then the last little group that I'm going to share is a general purpose garden: rosemary, lavender, yarrow, vervain, hyssop. Rue, carnation, mugwort, and sink foil. And I would definitely say that that general idea, that's a pretty solid list for those, like, keep them stocked, priority recommendations. Yes. It's, it's nice and quick. And it's very, very broad spectrum, but very clear on what they're going to do. What I am going to disclaim right now, anything you buy online, unless it is meant and sold for consumption, do not ingest anything. Don't put it on your body unless it's made for that. If you are growing it on your own with the purposes of eating anything or putting it on your body, make sure you're doing it without pesticides, without extra chemicals, without anything that's going to really irritate you. Make sure that, you know, you're using potting soil that's meant for that. Even the soil. Just make sure you're not doing anything that might get you sick. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing. Just remember that, you know, it's it's one thing to, you know put it in a cauldron and burn it or put it in a bundle and burn it or hang it somewhere or use it in a in a spell or an oil but if you are going to personally ingest it or give it to someone else to ingest just make sure you're being safe about it yes absolutely Okay, and I think that's I it. think that's a great one. I think that was a good little summary. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I even heard some herbs I haven't I haven't really heard of the use before today. Right? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Just as a side note, but I know we should we have to wrap this up. But um, <laughs> well, as we I was, know, this is a long one, guys. <laughs> yeah. But as I was reading that, I was like, you know, and just recently I was doing a spell for someone, and I had to use hyssop, and then rue comes up a lot. Yeah, it does, and I never use it. And recently I've been doing a lot of um, charm bags for people. Yes. Or spell bags. And uh, sink foil is like a big one, that, especially if you want to do a money one, you know? Oh, okay. 
Like you can literally just throw some sink foil in a in a green or yellow bag and boom, like call wow. it a day. It's such there a powerful herb. Here we are. We, we're learning with you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think that's fun. it. Yeah. yeah. So again, thank you to Rochelle, and um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Circle Cast. Um, you can also find me at Melissa St. Hilaire. And yeah, you can find me um, at Rosewood Magi on Instagram as well. Um, you know, reach out to us, send us messages. We've gotten a couple messages, you guys, and it honestly makes my day when you say hi and you ask us questions. You guys are wonderful. And again, I know we talked about it earlier, but we really, really do appreciate your support. You guys have made this so much more fun than I think we could have imagined. And we yeah. really hope that we've got a long way to go with you guys. Yeah. Great. And with that, we close the circle. The Circle Cast by American Witch.